Better get that that center. Signal. (laughs) Yeah, we're live. All right. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Mining Tools podcast. And I'm your host, Scott Offord. And we have Ethan. Hi. Hi, everybody. And then, you know, down down below here, we've got Shannon. Shannon. Yeah. Shannon Squires. Uh, Thank you for coming on our show, uh, Shannon. Um, Shannon is somebody that we've been working with uh, the last little while here. Uh, with crypto mining tools, uh, he's helping us getting our um, hosting directory up and running, and uh, he's got a, a wealth of knowledge to share with us. Uh, but yeah, first of I'm all, I'm so excited, um, Shannon. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your history and kind of how, how you got into this whole uh, mining space? Yeah. Um, so basically, I got involved with cryptocurrency. Um, I guess I get into 2016 and early 2017 and obviously uh, didn't put any money behind it soon enough. Um, And uh, from a friend who's a banker, um, he asked me some questions about it. I'm a bit of a nerd. And uh, once I started digging into it, I had a handful of GPUs at home. So obviously as any gamer with a computer, they can make money off their GPUs. I started mining Ethereum. Um, I mined it a few different ways and uh, then I got a little bit crazy about it and set up a bunch of uh, GPU rigs. Got them running in my crawl space in my house. My <laughs> wife was not a huge fan. <laughs> um, but uh, probably mined, I don't know, 100 different altcoins in that process and learning and built a few different rigs a few different ways. Um, did some day trading in 2017. Lost a decent amount of money. Won a decent amount of you know, everything and then lost it all when it crashed. Used a little bit that I had left to buy my first batch of ASICs, um, and those were too noisy for the house. So, oh, as my wife was, <laughs> yeah. Anybody, obviously, you guys here, you've heard ASICs run, you know, fifty plus decibels, um, screaming all the time. And there's ways to quiet them for the DIY guys, you know, putting them in different mm-hmm. coolers and wrapping them with sound, <laughs> deadening stuff, and basically making mufflers. But wasn't super feasible. Um, ended up with a business partner who's a retired tax attorney, and he said, hey, let's put together kind of a pilot project um, in modeling how we'd build a container and do that. So we set up a tough shed in his backyard and set up a hot side, cold side, put in the few GPU rigs, put in the handful of ASICs, got it running profitably off of, uh, I think at the time, Colorado was like 9.9 cent power. Um, in the summertime, Colorado goes up to 14.5% power. Sorry if wow. my daughter's singing in the background. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Homeschooling like everybody. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I uh, had some ebb and flows with that and definitely learned the ins and outs of controlling airflow within the containers and or within the facility, whatever, however we were going to build it, which was a key to not overheating everything. Sure. Um, made a lot of great contacts within the ASIC world and trying to purchase those. And obviously that's how I eventually ran into Scott is looking at, uh, you know, buying some of the resale miners um, <clears throat> for various projects and putting those together. Uh, once we had that pilot project up and going and it was running for a few months and we were able, we actually have a U.S. based bank account. So one of the few business accounts, I think, that can directly accept transfers from cryptocurrency exchanges. Um, that took a lot of work. <laughs> um, <clears throat> got that done. So everything was on the down low. We weren't using international accounts. And then we went looking sure. for funding. Um, looking for funding was a new task for me. I've wired a whole bunch of electricity, uh, different projects in my life. I've done 
um, a bunch on the car, computer hardware side in my life and construction and all that. So the majority of the aspect of putting together a mining container, mining farm, that type of stuff is something that was just, I had the ability to do. Mm -hmm. um, fundraising was not in my wheelhouse. And that was kind of where my business partner came in. He has um, a wealth of contacts for many, many years. He's the gray hair side of that project. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we started going through them to get capital, Got finally got a partner. Um, we're working on getting that capital together and that kind of fell apart at the end of the last year, as far as the capital to put together yeah. full scale, 30 megawatt, uh, natural gas, stranded gas power plant and Bitcoin mining project. So, uh, at the beginning of this year, we started, uh, essentially trying to progress that project again and get it up and going at a new location. So started sourcing those and moving through that whole process again. Um, that's kind of the background on the cryptocurrency side of things. I hope that covers it all. Well, it, it kind of sounds to me like you've come to the same conclusion that I've seen many people come to is that maybe like the home mining situation is is pretty much dead. Like it's just you can't really pull it off mining from home. So it's kind of like go big or just get out. And it seems like you went that direction as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, the biggest thing is just the cost of power. I've said this for years. I don't know. I, I think like to think I coined this phrase, but essentially Bitcoin is the global arbitrage of power. Mm -hmm. um, basically, if there's a way to produce power cost effectively, you want to get there and mine it because that's going to allow you to be profitable regardless of how large the network hash rate grows, regardless of how low the price goes. If you have the lowest cost of power, lowest cost to produce a Bitcoin, um, whether, you know, all metrics included operational mm -hmm. costs, all that fun sure. stuff. When everybody else has to shut down, you're still going to be running. So uh, typically running ASIC miners in your house, you know, you can wire 220, get them running in a shed in your backyard. Mm -hmm. You're going to be buying power from a utility and utilities are selling retail power and that's expensive. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some places that have some awesome, unique ability to buy retail power, but even then doesn't get you super cheap. Um, and so over the process of the last few years, you know, we went from, hey, here's how we manage and realizing that if you look throughout Bitcoin's history and the hardware and do all the comparisons, you have, you know, sub five cent power, you're going to you've been profitable this entire time with the hardware you've had as long as it was newer than like an S7. Right. Um, if it, there's some, I mean, if you had cheap enough power, S7s were still slightly profitable depending on where you were located. So, well, yeah. Now, recently, you know, we've we've kind of come into a very difficult situation. We're we're in a in a tough time right now, and um, this this has, has created a global issue that has you know created a an oil war, if you will, and the the price of oil is tanked, and everybody is very fearful that our economy is going to suffer greatly, and especially in the you know energy aspect of it. Um, when the price of oil went up above a certain level, it became very profitable to, you know, drill and, and get oil and, and um, here in the United States. And, and now because the price of oil has tanked, it's, it's no longer feasible and people are really worried about losing their jobs. Do you think by cryptocurrency going to, you know, these stranded resources and utilizing these stranded resources might be a viable way to keep them going, to keep them alive. Um, it's kind of a, a balancing act. So the reason why natural gas was so cheap is because, like you said, we we're producing oil. So 
um, for, I'm, you know, much more familiar with Colorado than everywhere else, but it's pretty similar. Essentially you want to pre-soil, you drill a big hole in the ground, you frack it, you do all the things to get the oil out of it. Um, natural gas is in the way traditionally. And in some places you still can, they used to just flare that gas. So you'd see those big oil derricks with the flame yeah. coming out the top. Yeah. I grew up in a small town in Colorado that lives and dies off the uh, mining industry, whether it's natural gas, oil, soda ash, whatever. And mm. so you'd see these towers, you know, all across the night sky, just lit up flaring gas. Um, <clears throat> so with the new EPA laws and restrictions on that, you can't sure. flare gas the same amount you could before. So now all of a sudden they're trying to produce oil because that's worth money and you got all this gas that's in the way. So they're shoving the gas into the pipelines and the pipelines are getting filled up because either the oil producers, so the refineries that take the, sorry, gas producers, the refineries that take this raw natural gas, mix out all the liquids and all that stuff and get it to mm -hmm. methane before they put it in the pipeline are either completely tapped out in capacity or there's not buyers on the other side. There's no one buying the gas because it's not being used yeah. for anything. And so it's getting backed up. And that's one form of what they call stranded gas is essentially it's getting stuff in the pipeline and there's no one to take it on the other side. Um, so in that situation and from recent experience, basically a whole bunch of people have already lost their jobs. So the oil war happened. It's no longer profitable to produce oil in the same way they were doing before. Therefore, mm -hmm. there's no natural gas coming in. Um, I was in talking with a gas producer recently and they closed their plant. Um, a handful of my contacts over the last you know, a few weeks have lost their jobs and it's been kind of a mess and it's uh, definitely oh, scary yeah. and sad. Yeah, We know it's going to come back. We know that, you know, the people that are crushing the oil prices right now can't do it forever because obviously mm -hmm. even over there you can't produce oil for those prices they're just yeah selling at a loss hoping to push out competition and it can't it can only last for so long um the other type of stranded gas are like in colorado in the 1950s they came through drilling for oil and all they found was natural gas so there's thousands mm -hmm. of wells that were just drilled in fields all over colorado that are just nothing but colorado. natural gas yeah <laughs> yeah um, I mean, there's other liquids in there, but not enough to produce or mm -hmm. worth producing. And they were never connected to a pipeline. So they're not being collected. And uh, these wells are essentially a capping liability. So people are, um, if you own them, you got to cap them or, you know, you can get in trouble and have to pay fees and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, the majority of these wells, though, don't produce enough gas to even like set up a, you know, whole container of miners. You're not going to be able to get a megawatt off of them. You're not going to be okay. able to get enough to produce and uh um and so it's a little bit different story that was the first route we were going uh is trying to use some of those stranded gas wells to produce power for bitcoin mining because if you could produce enough it's super cheap yeah um relatively speaking and we also had you know a, an excel pipeline next to it all that kind of stuff so we had backup and stuff to get to scale mm -hmm. um we'll fix it later michaela <laughs> Hi, Michaela. And, uh, everybody <laughs> says hi to you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of the stranded gas world. So um, I don't know that Bitcoin can necessarily, I mean, there's the possibility there. So we're trying to talk to that one um, gas producer who essentially shut down and trying mm -hmm. to get, you know, find out if there's, you know, people still pushing gas in the pipeline, what type of super cheap prices, you know, sure. break even production, can we get that for? and see if we can put together a, you know, a project still with them. Um, I actually just listened to a podcast you did a few, not too long ago with a gas producer who essentially yes. shut off his pumps to run ACE. I'm like, sweet, right. I got to send this to those guys. Um, yeah. So I'm catching up on your podcast. And uh, 
So I'm like, that's exactly the path we kind of ran into um, all on our own is what trying to talk into gas producers into what he's doing. Because that is uh, typically the people in the gas and oil industry don't look at natural gas from a standpoint of I'm going to turn this into Bitcoin and sell it for something mm-hmm. that has a large value. They look at it from a standpoint of like, I'm selling natural gas to a power plant. Jupiter is the largest planet. Oh, <laughs> good, good to know. Um, sorry again. But uh, um, so trying to get them to look at it as instead of monetizing natural gas for a power plant, we're monetizing natural gas for Bitcoin. Or directly. cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Yeah. Or any cryptocurrency for that matter. Sorry. I fixed on Bitcoin uh, currently, but there's a handful of GPU stuff that's working well. Um, I'm going to take care of this one second. I apologize. No worries. I'm going to talk about Nova Block, our sponsor. A big shout out to Nova Block. I'd like to, um, you know, let everybody know that uh, they're really new on the scene, but in a very short period of time, they have become one of the top um, pools that are out there. And they believe that as hash rate is shifting away from China, and we all know that that China is kind of in a really bad spot right now, and moves towards you know freer countries like North America, that they want to be the leader in doing that. And they want to be the leader by giving all of their customers not only just a great you know pool to work with, but giving them transparency about what their pool is doing, which I think is, is really important. So Scott here, up here, is gonna show you guys how to get a good deal from them. And I just wanna remind everybody, if you've got a big farm, I mean, if you're doing 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, plus megawatts of power. Talk to them. Tell them, you know, that that me and Scott sent you and you can negotiate a, a better deal than what we can give you directly from this podcast. Here you go, Scott. Yeah. So if you go to their website on the top right-hand side, you can enter, uh, go to sign up and you can enter the invitation code offered18. And when you sign up for an account with Nova Block, that will give you a permanent reduction in your pool fees down to 1.8%. Now they could do better if you have a lot of hash power, but uh, definitely go there, use the invitation code OFFORD18. Thank you, Nova Block, for sponsoring our podcast. Thanks, Nova Block. Shannon. Okay, now we're back with Shannon. Shannon, looks like your, your microphone was muted there for a second. Uh, hopefully all problems have been resolved. We'll see. Four-year-old problems <laughs> never really get resolved. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, keep keep telling us about, uh, you know, this this stranded gas and um, the kind of headway that you're making towards, you know, utilizing it uh, in, instead of making a liability, you know, turn it into something that is useful. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the, the goal is, you know, I went from the crypto mining side trying to put together this farm and now I'm becoming more of like a landman. Um, trying to source places to get cheap natural gas or cheap power and put those together into larger projects. Um, and so there's kind of that twofold piece is that, hey, are we working on the stranded gas side from an oil producer who's trying to get rid of it? And that's where the cheap gas prices were coming from. Um, or are we trying on the other side to monetize those wells um, effectively? Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're dealing with the oil war, <clears throat> that oil producer side of it going into the uh, gas production, most gas producers like, yeah, I know the price is that cheap, but I'm not going to sell you a contract at that rate because I don't make any money off of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to get those um, deals put together uh, once they get to the point that they want to make some money off of it. Um, and even if it's just a little tiny bit, you know, we have a way to monetize that. So throwing, you know, miners into a container, dropping that container on site, setting up, you know, a handful of, you know, either gas turbines or reciprocating generators and a transformer and getting it going becomes mm-hmm. a pretty mobile project. So you could move it anywhere, which I don't think a lot of power producers and gas producers are used to. They're used to having to figure out how to get right-of-ways for gas lines, get gas lines strung across the state mm-hmm. to get to everything to produce the power, yeah. produce the power, get that into power lines, run that distribution to where it needs to go. It's a much larger thing than this. This is a down and dirty, let's just make electricity and plug it in type situation. Sure. Um, so I was working with a, uh, a producer setting up a power plant or, you know, he's a friend, colleague. Um and it was a massive one, you know, 750 megawatt natural gas and solar. Um, but their cost to produce power is actually pretty high because once you get to that level of power production, when you're trying to send it to a state or mm-hmm. a municipality to replace a coal or something of that matter, um, there's a lot more that goes into the gas purchase and the amount that's coming in and the distribution on the other side that increases that power rate. Um, so these, uh, Sub four cent, sub three cent power that everybody's talking about are extremely rare. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> it typically requires you to own the power distribution mm-hmm. or the sorry or the uh, power production in order to get into those realms. Um, and so you get asked all those questions about trying to find that power. Bitmain's looking for the same thing. So you're you're running. Oh yeah, every everybody giant. is scratching and clawing, <laughs> trying to There's, find you know that that you know, sub three cent, you know, even sub two cent power. So, um, yeah, uh, I was just wondering, um, you know, for some of our listeners who are new to this, you know, they, some of them might be, might've heard of that sub three cents and might be uh, searching for that themselves. Um, and crypto mining tools as, as a company, um, we have been working on something that, uh, kind of, helps those people, um, mm-hmm. not only the, the new people, but also the existing people that have farms that maybe would want to uh, relocate to a, a cheaper place. Um, so what I wanted to do uh, before we wrapped up here in the next uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes was just talk about maybe some of those differences between those all-in managed hosting services and some of those co- co-location and uh, the, the PPA, uh, the, the power purchase agreement. Um, so maybe you could just sh- shed a little bit of light on that. Um, and, and yeah, what your can you give us like an overview of all the different types and what they do and what they mean? And... Yeah, so basically um, everybody that I've talked to over the last who knows how long all has a little bit of a different idea on each of those. And the way we've kind of categorized it is that there's essentially three types of services people are looking for. Um, number one is fully managed hosting. Essentially, you send someone your miners. They it's turnkey. It's turnkey. Turn it's ready ready to go. You mail it to them. They're going to plug them in, set them up, get them mining to the pool you want them to mine to, um, get the, you know, everything full service. They're going to do the maintenance on the miners, make sure they're getting, you know, dusted and cleaned and not overheating. And if something goes down, they have a technician who's going to be able to go to that miner, figure out if it just needs restarted or if a board needs pulled and sent in for repair. So it's a fully managed service. Um, you okay. know, good to go. And there's lots of those out there. There's lots of places that mm-hmm. offer this type of service all over the world. 
um, from U.S., Canada, Switzerland, Sweden, Russia, mm-hmm. China, Japan. Um, <clears throat> there's options just about everywhere. And mm-hmm. there's more that differentiates them than just their price. So a lot of them, you know, it's kind of a basic service. They're going to, you're going to send them their miner. They're going to plug it in and get it running. And then it's kind mm-hmm. of hands off. They walk by, have security, you know, they restart it if you call them and say it's down. So minimal, managed. <laughs> Um, all the way up to people who, you know, will host your GPUs in any number of rigs. They'll mm-hmm. do custom overclocking for them, make sure they're housed appropriately, cleaned appropriately, cooled appropriately, make sure they're, you know, updating drivers like they're supposed to, tweaking the cards to get the maximum amount out of it. So obviously people that are taking that level of service, mm-hmm. they charge a bit more than the people okay. that are, you know, doing the minimum. So with the managed so, hosting, there's still a range. Yeah, managed hosting still has a lot of diversity <clears throat> to it. Okay. I, yep, I and then there's it. the co-location. So typically, co-location is for a larger uh, client, someone who has, mm-hmm. you know, a significantly larger amount of miners. Whether that's you know half a megawatt, megawatt, two and a half megawatts, or multiple containers they want to put down. But co- co-location is I want to take my miners and put them in your facility, but I want to run them myself. So mm-hmm. instead of being managed by the person who's hosting them you're managing yourself. So that means if you want maintenance done, you're showing up and having, you know, you and your employees do the maintenance. You or yeah, you, you have a guy, everything. you know, George, yep, get out of there and reboot it. You know, like <laughs> Exactly. So that's, that's co-location and that can be done. Once again, there's a little bit of range on that. Like maybe you already have your own container and you're looking for a place to co-locate an entire container or multiple containers. Or maybe you have, you know, 800 GPU rigs or, um, you know, 150 A6. And you want a place to put them in that's maybe in your current state or nearby that has a better rate, but you still want to be associated with managing those them yourselves. Obviously, co-location is a little bit cheaper than managed because, you know, you're removing Mm -hmm. those operational expenses. And then the last one is kind of the PPA land type options. So these are people Mm -hmm. who typically have a significant amount of infrastructure of either miners or capital in which they want to put together their own large project. They're just uh, looking for the raw energy to tap out and and utilize. Yep. Typically, those projects need to be 10 megawatts or bigger in order to get to the uh, metrics that they're looking for on power costs. Um, and there's a significant upfront cost with land development, permitting, mm-hmm. uh, power development, power generation. Maybe you're building out substations or transformers and, and infrastructure and generators and, you know, just. Yep. Is, it's not, yeah, that whole three cent power thing. It's not, you can just show up and figure out how to plug in. It's, hey, someone's generating excess power and it's coming off at distribution voltage and you got to have a substation stepping it down to 480 and then you have to have a transformer stepping it yeah. down to 240. Um, then you have to, you know, land lease or land purchase, permitting for the land. It's mm-hmm. a much larger concept um, and typically involves obviously more than just me. You're getting involved with gas and oil guys, land guys. Mm-hmm. Um, my <laughs> and uh, and today's special guest is <laughs> Yodler. Yes. Um, so that's kind of the power purchase option. Let's see if ABC Mouse will start working. And there's a oh, plug yeah. for him. My, yeah. my daughter's doing that right now. She's doing mm-hmm. math and reading and all sorts of things. Um, Ethan, why don't you just tell us a there little bit about our um. 
our hosting directory that we're getting up and running. I'll actually put the, the site here on the, on the yeah, screen. Yeah, can you, can you pull it up, Scott? I, this I'm is really going to be a preview. It. It's, it's not launched yeah. today, but very, very soon. It is very, very soon. So, you know, as Shannon was, was just discussing, as you guys can see, um, we have those three different um, power situations, you know, or, or hosting situations because power purchase agreement really is just all about seeking, you know, the raw power and having, you know, the huge capital expense upfront to tap into that. And it, it's not, you know, a, a short term game. This is something that you would need to plan out for five, you know, plus years onwards. But, you know, you have the ability to go in there and to say how many megawatts of power that you need. And also you can select some other options there. Go ahead and put in just 10. Um, and if you click next, and again, this is a preview, but you can see we actually do have already in our database some registered you know, this is the the power purchase. So this is the raw power, and you can go through. I, I, we like Scott said, there's still just some you know T's to cross and some I's to dot. But we're going to be launching this very very soon. You can go through. You can do. Um, go ahead and show co-location as well. So you can decide. You know whether you want to co-locate to you know an existing data center or do you want to co-locate your mobile container to an on-site power that's already been established um, and then we have the fully managed hosting. And we went through a lot of strides here to make it very easy for the novice user. So let's just say you're getting new into this and you don't know, you know how many watts your miners that you just bought are using. You can go through our database, you can select, you can find the miners that you purchased and it will automatically start to calculate the watts that you're using. Let's say you're a little bit more seasoned of a user and you've got some GPUs you wanna to add to that. Obviously we don't have GPUs in our database. You can add a custom power value and it will also calculate that in. And this helps you understand when you click the next button, what you know your total power that, that you're requesting, so what you're gonna be able to use, and it'll give you an idea of what kind of price range you can get. And you can see in our database, we have many, many hosting facilities listed all around the world. It's the first of its kind, it's a one of a kind system. And Scott and I have desperately felt like it's been needed in the market for a long time because you know, as people are um, needing cheaper and cheaper power, the ability to just simply plug in at home or to you know create a, a tool shed out in your backyard and mine like that, it's it's not really viable anymore. So we hope to take all these little miners, these self miners, and help them find a location that is a good fit for them to keep them profitable, to keep them going. Yeah, um, I'll bring Shannon back on here. Yeah, and Shannon, why don't you just um, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in the last couple months in uh in helping us get this uh, up and running yeah so basically i've been um, calling and reaching out to every you know hosting facility co-location facility uh, ppa facility that's advertising for uh, cryptocurrency related um, products and trying to make those connections and the biggest thing is it's not like a normal website where you're just going to go click on stuff and it's gonna send you to that other person's website and maybe they're good, maybe they're bad. We're actually trying to go through and verify mm -hmm. every listing that's put in there, have conversations with them, really understand what product they have available. So who has the really high-end hosting that's you know doing tweaking every little thing for you and who is on the lower side of that, You know what their rates are, 
what they're willing to do for people that are looking for these products, where they're located, um, and hoping that these people are set up in situations that they're not going to disappear after you send their miners to them. Obviously, that's been a problem in the past. Yes. So we want to make sure we're not working with those people. Um, <clears throat> thankfully, Scott has been, you know, has a great reputation within this space from doing all the uh, minor reselling and all that. So um, it's been awesome to work with and talk to all these providers and get them put together. So we work mm -hmm. more like a brokerage than um, just a, you know, click here, get some information. Type yeah, website. absolutely. So, um, basically, once you click there and you're looking for that information and you figure out where you want to be, what type of power you're looking for, we're going to make sure you're kind of connected to the best option and make sure um, obviously there's more than one and then make sure that we're not just sending these hosting facilities, people that are just, you know, wasting their time. So, Hey, Absolutely. I want to do this, but I don't have miners. I don't have the capital. Maybe it's something you want to do and you want to learn about it. Awesome. We'll teach you. Um, but it's not, uh, we're trying to make sure that it's all real and not a whole bunch of scammy things going on as yeah. best we can. No guarantees, but trying. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can definitely, you know, um, confirm that that we have gone through great links. You know, we have multiple conversations with these facilities before they can even be listed um, in our in our system. And, you know, we make sure that they're as vetted as as we can possibly vet them. Now, I mean, that's not to say that given these hard times, you know, strange things might might or might not happen. Um, even, you know, with people that have the best of intentions, but we have made all of our efforts to assure that, you know, if you decide to do business with with a hosting facility that you find in our system, that they are going to be, you know, e exactly what you want, you know, and, and deliver the service that you need in a reliable, trustworthy way. Yeah. Um, so Ethan, when can we, uh, possibly expect to see this, uh, published on our live website? Um, I'm working right now with the developers to get it pushed to the live website. I'm hoping within the next 24 hours that will be done. Awesome. That's great. Um, so Shannon, um, yeah, we're just going to wrap it up here soon, but, uh, yeah. Anything else that you want to add? Well, I would like to add, how can people reach out to you, Shannon? Because this is kind of how we close every episode is how can people reach out to you and maybe say hi to Michaela one more time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, right now I'm starting to get more active on Telegram. That's seeming to be a good place to kind of network and go through that. Um, I actually have no idea what my handle is on Telegram. Squires. It's Squires. It's at Squires. Awesome. Yeah, That's at good Squires. Uh, Scott, can you write that down so uh, people can see that? Can you type yeah. it out? Here we go. Um, yeah, and then obviously it's um, Shannon at CryptoMining.Tools. Um, so either of those are probably going to be the best two methods of contact. Um, kind of keep it simple and keeping those two locations. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, and then maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, your own project that, that you were going to get up and running. Uh, you, you were saying that, um, you were working on that last year, but it, it didn't quite come yeah, to, you're trying to, to, to rehash it. <clears throat> yeah. So basically after the funding kind of fell apart for a 30 megawatt, basically it was going to be a 10 megawatt mining facility. 
and a uh, you know 10 megawatts of power production um, is kind of the stage one that we we're going for. Okay. And um, once that was going to be completed, or once that fell apart, uh, we kind of went back to the drawing board as far as okay, we can go down the same path, try to monetize stranded gas wells, or you know what's the other options. So that's when we started looking into um, gas producers and making deals, you know, at the source, either on the backside of the gas, getting essentially raw gas, separating it ourselves and producing power or uh, clean on the other side if they needed to get rid of it. Um, mm -hmm. and then the oil war started, so that changed. So currently we're looking into a couple other options. Um, and we have three locations that we found, uh, one in Colorado, a potential in Texas and a potential in North Dakota um, that should meet our needs for getting the cost of power down to where we want it to be. Um, so we're in the process of starting to negotiate that gas purchase and mm -hmm. the hard part right now is getting people to answer telephones because um, yeah. they're either you know potentially unemployed or dealing with that mess um, or you know just not working so mm -hmm. it's been a bit of a struggle the last few weeks to get the people on the phone we need to and keep the uh, vcs updated um, and so that's the other side of it is the venture capital side so you got people that are um, potentially investing in this project and, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar project. Um, sure. not, you know, big enough for a big, you know, 500 million where you can go to like Goldman Sachs and ask for money, mm -hmm. but, um, <laughs> it's enough that, you know, most people, uh, aren't going to hand it over easy with no, um, sure. background being done. So, um, trying to put that together in a good package for them. Originally, we were um, looking at doing more of a uh, type of uh, public offering, kind of an exempt public offering. Mm -hmm. um, but we went back to the concept of just going with like one or two primary my, uh, primary funders and partnering with them and having it as a kind sure. of a joint partnership moving in. So at this point, um, once we get those gas contracts secured, um, hopefully the funding works out this time and we can start putting things together and putting it down. So handful of networks in the power production, yeah. handful of network on the mining side. And then uh, I get to put together a team to make it work like it's supposed to. If we have excess power, then we'd be looking at joining that group as a hoster. Um, primarily, our project is self mining, like we want to take full advantage of mm -hmm. uh, the risk and reward of Bitcoin um, in this project. But uh, if there's excess power above that 10 megawatts that we have to produce in order to get our rates down, then we'll be looking at other people to come, you know, buy that from us. To, um, to fill that in. Yeah. Yep. So uh, just to wrap it up and, uh, you know, in, in the last one minute of the podcast, what would you say to those people who have maybe one megawatt of mining equipment they want to get up and running, but they are convinced that they really just need two cents power? Um, well, if you want super crazy cheap power, uh, you need to make sure you have your wallet open and you're ready to build a power plant or buy a substation or something mm -hmm. from that aspect. Um, and other than that, I would say right now, looking at it uh, for average hosting rates, um, I think the cheapest possible options are in the high four cent range and some of those may include some sort of profit share or some sort mm -hmm. of upfront costs for expanding a facility or in some foreign country yeah, yeah. Or, yeah or in russia um uh, that they have some unique power options that not everybody has and i haven't been able to out, go out there and actually personally see these farms myself mm -hmm. so uh there's that different risk that goes along with that and then all the way up to 13 cent for that you know as we mentioned 
be a CEO, someone who's really good at overclocking GPUs, running all your GPUs in a actual data center. Um, and then on the uh, co-location side, I think we have prices anywhere from, um, to, uh, based on size, if you can get up into the like five megawatt range um, in the mid fours, if you're below okay. that, you're probably looking closer to five cents for co-location um, all the way up to, I think the highest co-location is probably around six cents. Okay. And then uh, there are PPA options out there in the 3.9 cent area, but that okay. includes you need to be buying transformers and helping with infrastructure costs up front. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. have more, more, more capital, more uh, yeah. money in your wallet up front to, to pay those fees. <laughs> yeah. So there's, yeah. there's definitely the pros and cons to each uh, different thing that we talked about today. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, great. Uh, thanks for your time, Shannon. And uh, yeah, we'll let you get back to homeschooling. Right, yeah. I'm a and, miserable uh, homeschool teacher. <laughs> Me too. I, I tell you, yeah, my, my iPad does a better job of homeschooling than I do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks for your time, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, I thanks a lot, Shannon. Thank you. All right, thanks. Yeah. Bye bye.